Recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Chris Degenier on Tatsu. It is Friday, April 8th, 2011, and this is probably the, the, the last revelation program I'll do for a while. It's the last in the series that I started with Eli James back in December. It's Revelation chapters 21 and 22. In Revelation chapters 17 and 18, we saw a vision of the great whore, the people of Israel. Joined to the beast, which is the globalist system of international commerce, one world government, and one world ecumenical religion, organized religion, controlled by world Jewry. We saw a vision of the collapse of this system, Mystery Babylon, which is what we await today. The proper answer as to where we are in Revelation is this. We are beyond Revelation 16:12 because the kings from the east are great power in the world today. I mean the Chinese, the Japanese, the Koreans, their economic strength, that their projection of power overseas, not so much militarily yet. That's coming, but definitely economically. They are a great power in the world today, which our people are in awe of and are indebted to and beholden to at this very moment. And we are also beyond Revelation 17.17, because since the Federal Reserve Act in this country, but even sooner in so many other Israel nations, our kingdom has indeed been handed over to the beast. All the people of the earth being deceived by the unclean spirits emanating from the mouth of the beast and from the mouth of the false prophet, liberty, fraternity, equality, while all those people are at the same time under the economic control of the Jew. Now we await that seventh bowl or vial of the wrath of Yahweh which causes Babylon finally to fall. Mentioned in Revelation 16, 17, and fully described in chapter 18. Once that last bowl of the wrath of Yahweh is poured, it is time to utter the call. You come out from her, my people, that you should not partake in her errors, and that you would not receive from of her wounds. The children of Yahweh shall at that time render to their enemies double the treatment they had received while they were enslaved to the beast. As the prophet Micah says, Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion. In Revelation chapters 19 and 20, we saw that the king of kings, Yahshua Christ, the rider on the white horse, would destroy all of his enemies and everyone not written into the book of life, which I believe is his gospel, which means an absolute end to all of the world's mongrelized and alien peoples including Satan himself, who is the Canaanite Jew and all of his Arab relations. It should also have been made fully evident when we covered those chapters last week, both from the circumstances of history and from its, from its role in the world today, that world Jewry is indeed the eighth beast of the Revelation, operating in the world in its very age, and that world Jewry is indeed the Gog of Scripture, which is one and the same as the eighth beast, as we saw in Revelation 18, 19, and 20. There is no mincing these words. All of these people who have come against the children of Israel in this age shall indeed be fully destroyed. These words are indeed the gospel of God. We have seen the veracity of this interpretation while discussing Revelation chapters 19 and 20 last week. From the 79th Psalm, the 118th Psalm, Isaiah chapter 41, Ezekiel chapters 28, 38, 39, Jeremiah's chap Jeremiah chapters 30 and 31, especially chapter 30, verses 10 and 11, Micah chapter 4, 2 Peter chapter 2, and many other scriptures. We should never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. John Lennon sang, Imagine There's No Heaven. I would... I would sing instead, imagine there are no evil race-mixing devil bastards like John Lennon. Then indeed we shall have heaven. That is what Revelation chapters 21 and 22 describe. Heaven on earth. In the book of Joel, chapter 2, 
Yahweh makes a promise to Israel. He says, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. My great army, which I sent among you, meaning Israel, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of Yahweh your God that has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. Here in these last chapters of the Revelation, we see a vision of the fulfillment of that promise. Which we pray lies not too far off in our future. The locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, if these worms, described by Joel, are the great army which Yahweh sent among us, manifestly, in order to chastise us and to test us, then these worms are another allegory for the beasts which Yahweh sold the house of Israel and the house of Judah with in these times. As he spoke in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 27 through 30. The locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the pommel worm, the Arab, the Negro, the Oriental, the Mestizo. The end of these beasts is described in 2 Peter chapter 2, where the apostle explains to us that these natural brute beasts who sit among us and share our blessings unworthily are made to be taken and destroyed. They have no other fate for everything that offends, and all of those not found written in the book of life shall go off into the lake of fire, an allegory for eternal destruction. That is how Yahweh shall sanctify Israel, as promised in many of the Old Testament prophecies cited above. Now we shall commence with Revelation chapter 21. The new heaven and the new earth represent the new I'm sorry, I have to read the I have to read the first verse first. Revelation twenty one, verse one. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth departed, and the sea is no longer. The new heaven and the new earth represent a new organization of the people of God in a cleansed land. For instance, Yahweh says in Ezekiel thirty nine, verse twelve and seven months shall the house of Israel be burying them, that they may cleanse the land. The sea, in prophecy, often represents the great mass of the world's peoples. Here, we are told, the sea is no more. It no longer exists. This is the meaning of the parable of the net. Found at Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of the heavens is like a net having been cast into the sea, and it gathers from out of every race, which, when it is full, bringing up upon the shore and sitting, they gather the good ones into vessels, but the rotten ones they cast out. Thusly it shall be at the consummation of the age. The messengers, or angels, shall go out, and they shall separate the wicked from the midst of the righteous, and they shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The sea is no more because it is no longer necessary, because all the fish have been removed. Therefore, it is not that there are no more oceans, but rather that the word is used as an allegory. That the sea represents the mass of the world's peoples is also evident in Isaiah, Isaiah 27.1, where Yahweh says, in that day, speaking of his day of judgment, which we have here in the Revelation, Yahweh with his sword and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. The dragon is world Jewry, and all of the other descendants of the serpent in the sea of the world's people, all of these they shall also be cast into the lake of fire. An entirely Adamic world shall be heaven indeed. Verse 2. And I saw a new holy city, Jerusalem, descending from out of heaven from Yahweh, 
having been prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from out of the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of Yahweh is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and Yahweh himself shall be with them. And he shall wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall not be hereafter, nor grief, nor crying, nor toil. It shall be no longer. The former things have departed. Psalm 118, verse 22 says that the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is Yahweh's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The builders were those original Israelites who demanded an earthly king, sinfully rejecting Yahweh as their king. Three times this passage is recorded in the New Testament as having been cited by Christ. But if he is the cornerstone, there is a need of many other stones to complete a building, which is the true temple of Yahweh. Therefore, Peter likens Christians, the dispersed Israelites, whom he, was, whom he is writing to, he likens them to living stones. At 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 4, coming forth to him a living stone, which is Yahshua Christ, indeed having been rejected as unfit by men, but honored elect before Yahweh, and yourselves as living stones are built a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Yahweh through Christ. Wherefore, it is contained in the scripture, Behold thy place in Zion, an honored elect cornerstone, and he believing in him shall by no means be ashamed. The true tabernacle of Yahweh is Yahshua Christ, who is Yahweh God in the flesh of Adamic man. Leviticus chapter 26 from verse 12 states, And I will walk among you and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. He shall do that as Yahshua Christ, Yahweh in the body of an Adamic man, so being, as Paul called him in Romans chapter 8 verse 29, the firstborn among many brethren. Of course, Christ being born 5,000 years after Adam in the flesh must have been Yahweh in the spirit in order to make this claim. Ezekiel 37 states, verse 27, My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yeah, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen, or properly nations, shall know that I, Yahweh, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them, forevermore. Each Adamic man, therefore, having the spirit of Yahweh, is made in the likeness and image of Yahweh, because he took on the image of us as Yahshua Christ. Paul wrote in Hebrews, in chapter 12, verse 18, For you have not approached touching a mountain and being scorched with fire and in gloom and in darkness and in tempest and to a trumpet's peal and to a sound of words, which those hearing, the people in, in the Exodus, had declined, not a word to be agreed by them. For they did not bear that being commanded, quote, and if a beast should touch the mountain, he should be stoned, unquote. And so dreadful was that having appeared, meaning the effulgence of Yahweh, Moses said, I am frightened and trembling. But you have approached, speaking to the Hebrews of his own time, but you have approached Mount Zion and the city of Yahweh who lives, Jerusalem in the heavens, and to myriads of messengers, to a general gathering, and to an assembly of those firstborn being registered in the heavens, and to Yahweh judge of all and to the spirits of those righteous having been perfected, and to a media, mediator of a new covenant of Yahshua Christ, and to the blood of sprinkling speaking better than Abel. The children of Israel, therefore, they are the heavenly Jerusalem, as Paul described 
They are the city of Yahweh from heaven. Those who are, as Christ put it in John chapter 3, born from above. Therefore, he also said at Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, He who prevails, I shall make him a pillar in the temple of my God, that he would no longer go outside. And I shall write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, of the new Jerusalem which descends from heaven from my God, and my new name. The body politic, the people of Israel, they are the city of God. Don't expect a giant city to come down in a flying saucer. Revelation 21, verse 5. And he sitting upon the throne said, Behold, I shall make all new things. And he says, Write, because these words are trustworthy and true. Save the whale, save the spotted owl, save the beasts, save the ozone layer. It is folly for man to think that he, a created being himself, has control over this planet outside of the will of God. Men cannot save the creation of God. Yahweh shall decide that which he preserves and that which he creates. The Greek phrase concerning new things may have been translated, Behold, I shall do all new things. And it is translated in that manner by Brenton in his Septuagint at Isaiah 43.19, where this statement first appears. However, the Greek is not exactly the same there as it is here in the manuscripts of the Revelation. The language does not permit that old pre-existing things are being made new. Rather, the Greek language is stating that things not having existed before shall be created or perhaps be done. If poieo is interpreted as to do rather than to make, the verb having both meanings. Yet there was also a quote of this earlier passage in Isaiah by Paul. And Paul uses a different verb. At 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where he says in allegory, Therefore, if one is among the number of Christ a new creation, the old things pass away. And he quotes the same passage from Isaiah 43, 19. And he says, Behold, new things have come. Now the King James rendering at 2 Corinthians 5.17, is impossible that somehow all things become new, especially in Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians, since there is only one word, a neuter gender, kahina, which denotes new things. And therefore, the words cannot be separated. This verse and the verse in Paul, in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Yahweh is saying, I shall make all new things. Paul is saying, new things have come. We will see the proof of that in the next verse. All things are not going to become new. Yahweh is going to make new things. Revelation 21, verse 5. Revelation 21, verse 6. And behold, and I'm sorry, and he said to me, they are made. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To he who thirsts, I shall give freely from out of the fountain of the water of life. The King James here, in verse 6, has the exclamation, it is done, rather than they are made. But the phrase comes from a single Greek word, degonen, which is an indicative, perfect, active, third-person plural verb. It cannot possibly be it is, but only they are, being in the third-person plural. This further substantiates the rendering in the Christogening New Testament in verse 5, I shall make all new things. Not as the King James has it, I shall make all things new. That is not what it is saying. Here it says, they are made, meaning those things that were promised in verse 5. This is the revelation of Yahshua Christ. Therefore, Yahshua Christ is claiming to be the Alpha and the Omega, as he had also claimed 
at Revelation 1, 8 and 1, 11, this claim to be first and last belongs to Yahweh God and Yahweh only. And that is apparent in Isaiah 41, verse 4, 44, 6, and 48, 12. And I will quote Isaiah 41, 4. Who has wrought and done it? Calling the generations from the beginning. I, Yahweh, the first and the last, I am he. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus saith Yahweh, the king of Israel, and his redeemer, Yahweh of hosts, meaning and Israel's redeemer, Yahweh of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Isaiah 48, 12. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. Therefore, the only way that Yahshua Christ can, be cl- can claim to be the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, is for him to be Yahweh God himself, which of course he is. As it is explained in John chapter 1, the Catholic idea of the Trinity and all those who dispute the deity of Christ are quite wrong. The Word was with God, God was the Word, and the Word was man. He is Yahshua Christ. When Thomas, as it is recorded in the Gospel of John, looked upon Christ and exclaimed, My Lord and my God, he knew exactly what he was saying. Revelation 21, verse 7. He who prevails shall inherit these things, and I shall be a God for him, and he shall be a son for me. The woman Hannah is recorded as having said, at 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah being the mother of Samson, Yahweh killeth and make us alive. He bring us down to the grave and bring us up. Yahweh make us poor and make us rich. He bring us low and lift us up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he have set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. By strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of Yahweh shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. Yahweh shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of is anointed. The overcomers, they can't prevail by strength, by their own action. The overcomers are indeed the children of Israel. Therefore, Paul says in his comparison of Jacob and Esau in Romans chapter 9, verse 16, so then it is not of he that wishes, nor of he that strives. But of he that Yahweh shows mercy upon. And Paul was comparing the Israelites and the Edomites in Judea. Explaining that the Israelites were vessels of mercy and the Edomites vessels of destruction. While in response to the question, are those being preserved but few? Yahshua Christ warns the apostles at Luke 13... Verse 24, strive to enter into the narrow gate, because many, I say to you, shall seek to enter, and they shall not prevail. Paul explains that also at Philippians 2, verses 14 and 16. And I will quote the Christogenian New Testament. Do all things apart from murmuring and disputing that you would be perfect and with unmixed blood. Blameless children of Yahweh in the midst of a race crooked and perverted, among whom you appear as luminaries in the society. 
upholding the word of life. For boast with me in the day of Christ that not in vain have I run, nor in vain have I labored. The keeping of the commandments of God means the preservation of the bloodline of Israel. The overcomers are all those Israelites who remain at the end of the age. Revelation 21, verse 8. But for the cowards and the faithless and abominable and murderers and fornicators and drug makers and idolaters and all those who lie, their fate is burning in the lake of fire and sulfur, which is the second death. All of the enemies of Yahweh are already cast into the lake of fire. And all who are not written into the book of life at the end of verse 20, at the end of chapter 20. Therefore, this verse is exemplary that there are none of these left and there shall be none of these in the kingdom of God. Likewise, Paul made similar statements where he wrote at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, or do you not know that the unjust will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh? Do not be led astray, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor railers, nor the rapacious shall inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. Fornicators are those engaging in any sort of illicit sexual activity, among which is race mixing. Citing 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and Jude verse 7 for references. The word drug makers here is from the Greek word pharmakos. A very interesting word. It literally means to refer to dispensers of pharmacon. A pharmacon is a drug or a medicine. Later, it became a term of reproach used to designate someone who is sacrificed for an atonement, probably in a sense of a person who is used as a cure for a situation. Realizing that, one may come to the, to the conclusion that the only valid medicine for the children of Israel is Yahshua Christ. The phrase here, second death may be interpreted as being connected to the fate of those people who were without the spirit of Yahweh which he imparted to Adam the aliens and the descendants of the line of the serpent of Genesis chapter 3 a line which is much broader in scope than the descendants of Cain alone since the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was already a tree an allegory for a race of people before Adam was even placed into the garden, where it is already found. It is in reference to these children of the serpent, the fallen angels, and to the bastards that Jude uses the phrase twice dead in his epistle at verse 12. These are the spots in your feasts of charity, said Jude, feasting together without fear tending to themselves, clouds without water, being carried away by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, being uprooted, stormy waves of the sea foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of darkness is kept forever. Everybody that you see of another race in any Israelite nation fits that description. Revelation 21, verse 9. And one from among the seven messengers, having the seven bowls of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come, I shall show to you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he took me away in the spirit up to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending from out of heaven, from Yahweh, having the effulgence of Yahweh, her radiance like a precious stone, 
as jasper stone, clear as crystal. Having a wall great and high, having 12 gates. And above the gates, 12 angels or messengers. And names inscribed, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. From the east, three gates. And from the north, three gates. And from the south, three gates. And from the west, three gates. And the wall of the city has 12 foundations. And upon them, the names of the 12 ambassadors or apostles of the Lamb. And I'm certain that Judas Iscariot will be missing, replaced by Paul of Tarsus. The names of the 12 tribes themselves are the 12 gates, because the only way into the city of God is to be born of one of those tribes. The city of God is the people of Israel. Verse 15. And he speaking with me had a golden measuring rod, that he may measure the city and her gates and her wall. And the city lies four square, and her length as great as the breadth. And he measured the city with the rod for 12,000 staves. Her length and the breadth and the height are all the same. And he measured her wall, 144 cubits, the measure of a man, which is of a messenger or angel. And the structure of her wall was jasper. And the city pure like pure gold, like pure glass. And the foundations of the walls of the city, all adorned with precious stone. The first foundation, jasper. The second, tadani. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, Sardius, the seventh, olivine, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, hyacinth, the twelfth, amethyst. And the twelve gates, twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was from of one pearl. And the streets of the city, gold, pure gold as transparent glass. The city is four square, just as the tabernacle in the wilderness was four square, and just as the sheet in Peter's famous vision of Acts, chapter 10, was four square. The breastplate made for the high priest, described in Exodus chapter 28, was also four square. All of this helps to signify that the kingdom of Yahweh is meant for the children of Israel exclusively. Because it is measured to fit only Israel. Likewise, the measurement of the city being 12,000 stages in each direction is also calculated. In order to save any curiosity, the Greek word stade, or stades, was 606 and three quarters English feet. And therefore, 12,000 stades is very close to 1,379 English miles. So this city is pretty big. It's an allegory for the descendants of Abraham through Jacob Israel, whose number would be as the sand of the sea and as the stars of heaven. As it has been made manifest at verse chapter 2 above, the city of God is an allegory for the children of God. And so it is here that the description of the city descended from heaven with its gold and precious stones and twelve gates is an allegory for the people of the twelve tribes of Israel who had the spirit of Yahweh and who were therefore born from above. The stones of the breastplate, the stones of the, the, stones of the foundation here are those of the breastplate made for the high priest, each stone also representing a tribe of Israel. 
for which see the Exodus, chapter 28, verses 17 to 21. It is not a direct correlation because the names of the stones are somewhat different. Yet that may be partially due to a misunderstanding of the meanings of the ancient words by their interpreters. That's a possibility. For the Exodus was written roughly 1,600 years before the revelation of John and in a very different language. From Exodus chapter 28, here is a partial description of the construction of the four-square breastplate. And thou shalt set it, set in its settings of stones, even four rows of stones. And the first row shall be a sardius of topaz and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, and an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stone shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of the signet, every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. The end of the Revelation, just like the beginning of the Bible, is all about the children of Israel and nobody else. Nobody else can force their way into this kingdom as Christ spoke of the Pharisees in Luke chapter 16 and also as it is also recorded in the Gospel of Matthew that the violent ones attempt to force their way into the kingdom of heaven. That's not going to happen here. They will all go into the lake of fire. Verse 22 And I saw no temple in her for Prince Yahweh Almighty is her temple. And the lamb, the lamb is Yahweh himself. And the Greek does not necessitate that a distinction is made between the two. Speaking of Christ, Paul said in Colossians 2.9, For in him dwells all the fullness of the divinity bodily. One cannot expect the entire being, which is Yahweh God, to inhabit the body of a mere man. Yet the body of Yahshua Christ is indeed his temple. Verse 23. And the city has not need of the sun, nor of the moon, that they, would, that they would illuminate her. For the effulgence of Yahweh illuminates her, and her lamp is the Lamb. I will only say that Yahweh is the true light of the world, and the bright and morning star. Note Revelation 2.28 and 22.16. Verse 24. And the nations shall walk by her light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their honor into her, and her gates shall not be closed by day, for there shall not be night there. And they shall bring the honor and the dignity of the nations into her, and there may not enter into her anything common, which makes an abomination and a lie, except those written into the book of life of the Lamb. The nations here may be interpreted as being those Adamic Genesis 10 nations, which were also those nations which were to be blessed in Abraham's seed, Genesis 22:18. The first promise of the restoration of the Adamic race is found in Genesis 3:22. And I will read the King James. And Yahweh God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, which we know is Christ, and to eat and live forever. This precedes and is apart from the special covenants which Yahweh made later with Abraham and Jacob, and which they do not annul. For Christ testifies that the other Adamic families shall also be in the resurrection. At Matthew 12, verses 41 and 42, and at Luke 11, verses 31 and 32, where he specifically mentions Assyrians and the Queen of Sheba, who were all Adamites, and of which there are also indications in the prophets, such as 
the as of yet unfulfilled Isaiah 19, verses 23 through 25, where it says, In that day there shall be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrian shall come into Egypt, and the Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. In that day shall Israel be third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land, whom Yahweh of hosts shall bless saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. I have never seen the fulfillment of this in history. Yet no bastard or non-Adamic being can ever claim to be a part of any of these covenants. The phrase, kings of the earth, must now be referring to the children of Israel. For whether Revelation 1, 6, and 5, 10 should read kings, as they do in the King James Version, or kingdom, as they do in the oldest extant Greek manuscripts, that's really immaterial. Because Revelation 5, 10 says of the children of Israel that, quote, they shall rule over the earth, unquote. This is the royal priesthood and holy nation of Exodus 19.6, and the elect race and royal priesthood, the holy nation, the peculiar people of 1 Peter 2, verse 9. All of these things, of course, referring to the children of Israel. Therefore, I will read Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. John, to the seven assemblies which are in Asia, favor and peace to you from he who is and who was and who is coming, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Yahshua Christ, the witness, the faithful one, the firstborn from the dead, and he ruling the kings of the earth, the children of Israel. To he who loves us and has released us from our errors with his blood, and has made us a kingdom, priests to Yahweh. Now the King James says kings and priests to Yahweh. Even his father, to him is the honor and the sovereignty for the eternal ages, truly. Now Revelation 5, verses 8 through 10. And when he received the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb, each having a lyre and seven and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to receive the scroll and to open its seven seals, because you have been slaughtered, and you have purchased for Yahweh with your blood out of each tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made them a kingdom and priests for our God. And they shall rule over the earth. So we see that the children of Israel, the people whom Yahweh purchased, whom Yahshua purchased with his blood, they shall rule over the earth. So the children of Israel are the kings of the earth at the end of days, after the judgment, in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Revelation 22, verse 1. And he showed to me a river of the water of life, bright as crystal, coming out from the throne of Yahweh and of the Lamb. In the middle of her street, and with the river on the one side and on the other, is the tree of life, producing twelve fruits, yielding each of its fruits by month. And the leaves of the tree are for the service of the nations. In order to understand the nature of this tree, perhaps a reading of the first psalm is in order. It's short. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. nor sits in the seat of the scornful, 
but his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does, he shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Yahweh is the true river or source for all things which are pure and legitimate. Notice here that his throne and that of the Lamb are one, because they are one. Christ said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 14, But he who should drink from the water which I shall give to him shall not thirst for eternity. But the water which I shall give to him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. The water is the word of God. The twelve fruits again stand for the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. There is no other tree in the city of God. And there shall no longer be any curse. And the throne of Yahweh and of the Lamb shall be in her. And his servants shall serve him and shall see his face. And his name is upon their foreheads. And there shall no longer be night. And they have not need for a light of a lamp and for a light of the sun. Because Prince Yahweh shall shine upon them. And they shall rule for the eternal ages. I personally take night and the sun and the moon as being worldly governments and darkness. In the kingdom of God, we will have Yahweh as our king, we will have no worldly governments, and we will have no darkness. I do not take these things literally. The serpent was cursed first. Cain was cursed, and Canaan was cursed. Curses result from violations of the laws of Yahweh, as we should see in the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience found in Deuteronomy chapters 27 and 28. These curses are not because our God torments us from heaven. Rather, the curses are a natural result of sin, a law of cause and effect. There shall be no more curse because there shall be no more violators. And all those who are, not, who are an offense, by the fact of their very creation, every plant which Yahweh did not plant shall be removed and cast into the lake of fire, Matthew 13.41 and 15.13. Revelation 22, verse 6. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And Yahweh, God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his messengers to show his servants the things which are necessary to happen shortly. And behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he keeping the words of the prophecy of this book. Shortly is a relative term. <laughs> to God, a thousand years is as one day, as the Apostle Peter explains at 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 8, but you must not forget this one thing, beloved, that one day with the prince is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. These things, written in the Revelation, did indeed begin to happen quickly, but would take at least a couple of thousand years to unfold completely. Yet, on the time scale of forever, a couple of thousand years is not a very long time. 
And and there's something I didn't plan on speaking tonight about in, in my notes, but you know, Paul taught and is often criticized for teaching the imminent return of Yahshua Christ. He taught his students, and it's very evident in his epistles, that Christ was coming back at any moment. He did not teach that in vain. Because the words of Christ themselves inform us that we should always, we should always act as if his return is imminent. He tells us to always be watchful because we know not in what hour our master comes. That is why Paul taught the imminent return of Christ. Because Yahshua Christ taught the same thing and told us that we should always act as if he were to return at any moment. That would also keep us on our best behavior. And he gave a parable of a servant who went and abused the other servants because that servant thought that his master tarried. When we think that Christ is not coming back, when we think there's no judgment for us for a long time to come, we are more likely to fall into sin and temptation. That's just the way it is. When we have in our hearts that he could be back at any moment, then we're much more likely to be obedient to his will. That's just the way it is. That's natural. It's like children that goof off all weekend knowing mommy and daddy aren't going to be home till Sunday night. And and then they're in deep doo-doo, and Mommy and Daddy come home unplanned Saturday morning. I've been there, too. Revelation 22, verse 6. I'm sorry, I just covered that. Verse 8. And it is I, John, hearing and seeing these things. And when I had heard... And seen... I fell to worship before the feet of the messenger who shows these things to me. And he says to me, no, look, I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those keeping the words of this book. Worship Yahweh. Now we see that this angel perceived himself to be of the brethren of John the Adamic man. That's a discussion that's an entirely another topic. But angels in the Old Testament and New were indistinguishable from people, from Adamic white people, I should say. The opening verses of the Revelation reveals that this John is indeed the same apostle who wrote the Gospel of John. It began in chapter 1, quote, a revelation from Yahshua Christ, which Yahweh had given to him to show to his servants the things which are necessary to happen quickly. There's that word again. And he, having sent, explained through his angel or messenger to his servant, Johannes, John, who bore witness to the word of Yahweh, to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of Yahweh and the testimony of Yahshua Christ. As many things as he had seen. This is more than enough internal evidence that the John who wrote the gospel is the John who penned the revelation. There should be no doubt. Unless you're a Jew, they doubt everything. That's Satan's job. Revelation chapter 20, verse, chapter 22, verse 10. And he says to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. He who is unjust must yet be unjust, and he who is filthy must yet be filthy. And he who is righteous must yet practice righteousness, and he who is holy, 
must yet be holy. Reminds me of the um, of the words of Christ to the apostles that he who is he who is clean has no need of being washed, and you are all clean except one. Judas Iscariot was the one. Judas Iscariot was an Edomite. No matter how many baths he took, he could not get clean. Not possible. And here we see that doctrine of predestination again. You're born clean and righteous and holy, or you're born unjust and dirty and filthy. He who is filthy must yet be filthy. He who is filthy can't possibly be clean. It's that simple. Many so-called churchmen confuse this statement in the book of Daniel. I'm sorry. They confuse this statement that says, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book with another similar statement in the book of Daniel at Daniel 12, verse 4, where it says, Yahweh, where Yahweh instructs the prophet to, quote, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Here we see in the Revelation that John was told, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. It's likely that, that the, um, the, the average pastor in Judeo-Christianity purposely likes to confuse this verse with Daniel 12.4 because this book is also a mystery to them. However, the revelation is not sealed and its prophecies began to transpire as soon as it was written. In fact, a lot of its prophecies had already transpired, such as the birth of Christ It is hoped that this interpretation of the revelation that I have given here over these past 15 weeks has made clear that with the knowledge of history and the Old Testament, all of the things written in this book may indeed be brought to light. Verse 12, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to each as is his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. If we have seen 16 or 17 chapters of the Revelation fulfilled over the last 2,000 years, we have an assurance that these last chapters shall indeed also be fulfilled. Only a fool would think otherwise. Yet, only a fool would also believe that he, one of us, a mere man, may judge when Yahshua is to return. At Matthew twenty-four thirty-six, Yahshua Christ is recorded as having said, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. The same thing is also elucidated in several of the parables which he gave us. That no man knows the day. Anybody who pretends to know the date for the return of Christ is a fool. And the words they emanate are absolutely contrary to the words of Christ. And I wonder in how many other areas they like to do that. Other people errantly look to certain historical events for the quote-unquote coming of the Son of Man. However, the book of Acts 
explicitly states at Acts 1.11 that Yahshua, who is taken up from you into the heaven, thusly shall he come down in the manner which you would beheld him going into the heaven. That is the Christian testimony. Christians should not try to refute it. Pagans can go to hell. Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are they washing their garments, that it shall be their license to the tree of life, and they may enter into the gates into the city. Outside are dogs and druggists and fornicators and murderers and idolaters and any who love and make a lie. The first Christians, the Israelites of the Exodus, were kept from the angel of death by the blood of a lamb during that first Passover. Now in this age, Christians must also keep themselves from the wrath of God by the blood of the lamb, Yahshua Christ, and an adherence to this, to his words. Aside from that, and these remarks are off the cuff. Verse 14 may be seen to be describing, since everybody except Adamites are destroyed, it may be seen to be describing the fact that these sinners have already been excluded or the fact that unrepentant Adamites will not be admitted into the city of God. I can't imagine dying and looking my creator in the face, in his spirit, and not being repentant. Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Yahshua, have sent my messenger to attest these things to you for the assemblies. I am the root, and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Again, Yahshua Christ proclaims that he is God. The only way that he could be both the root and the offspring of David. Verse 17, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And he hearing must say, come. And he who thirsts must come. He desiring must receive the water of life freely. Yahshua Christ is the only true water of life, John chapter 4. Yet, he only came for the children of Israel. He only came for the lost sheep, those people who were driven off of the house of Israel those with whom his covenant was made, Jeremiah chapter 31, the scope of the original calling has never changed. Verse 18, I testify to each who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If one should add to these things, upon him Yahweh shall add the plagues written in this book. And if one should take away from the words of the prophecy of this book, Yahweh shall take away his share of the things written in this book from the tree of life and from the holy city. It is wise to be careful, examining the manuscripts and producing the best possible text of the book before even attempting to understand its utterances. It is wiser not to Build your own ideas into the Bible, or add your own ideas to the Word of God. Verse 20, he testifying of these things says, Yeah, I come quickly, truly, come, Prince Yahshua. The favor of Prince Yahshua is with the saints, the sanctified ones, truly. Right to the last verse, the favor of Yahweh is with his sanctified ones, which is the meaning of the word saint. Only the children in the loins of Isaac were ever sanctified upon an altar to Yahweh at the command of Yahweh himself. Only they 
can legitimately be his saints, and therefore, in Isaac, shall thy seed be called Saxons. And the European history revealed in the revelation of Joshua Christ is the end of all proofs of our Israelite heritage. Of course, there are many others. This is the end of my interpretation Christ. I pray that it stands the test of time. I believe that it will. You have heard many ideas here which are new to Christian identity scholarship, and many which have been taught by others in the past. I pray that I am not found to be pretentious if I cite Matthew 13, verse 52. Every scribe being instructed in the kingdom of the heavens is like a man, a master of the house, who issues from his treasury both new things and old things. While all of the notes and podcasts for this series will be available at Christagenia.org, and of course the first 14 segments are, those will be static. They will not be edited once they have been posted unless a typographical error is noticed. However, Yahweh willing, the Christrike.org website shall be a sort of living commentary on a revelation as I am able to find new things, gain new insights, or learn something different, I will try to incorporate it there. Once a change is made to Christrike, a note will be made at the bottom of the appropriate page. Next week, I plan to begin here a series on the four Gospels. Eli James and I had covered portions of those Gospels Back in the two seed line series in 2009, but we never treated them comprehensively. I hope to be able to do that here beginning next Friday. Thank you.